What's up, guys, and welcome back to this week's episode of Paul's Podcast. This week, we are joined by Brandon Snower, CEO and founder of Lay Alfrey, an up-and-coming menswear company based right outside of Manhattan, right outside of his apartment in Manhattan. So, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Paulo. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I live in Manhattan. I'm 26 years old. I started a menswear brand, Lay Alfrey two years ago um, with the idea to make menswear a little more fun, playful, but also maintain that elegance yeah. and sophistication. Um, so, you know, we're building it brick by brick, but, you know, it's it's growing and um, yeah, we just can't wait to continue, you know, creating new products and um, creating a cool new brand in, in menswear. Yeah. So they're coming up on their one year anniversary of Lay Alfrey, which is awesome. And is, did it pass already to the date? No. And if you're in New York, we're going to throw a little party. Um, you know, all are welcome. So I'm still planning that out. But if you follow our That's account awesome. on TikTok or Instagram, awesome. you'll you'll hear about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So stay tuned for that, guys. So, Brandon, I wanted to ask you, you were, this was originally not your forte. Your uh, finance bro essentially turned fashion CEO. I uh, How did that I come I wouldn't about? consider myself the ultimate finance bro. Uh, I like to have some distinguished <laughs> uh, characteristics. But, um, yes, I was a finance bro at one point. And technically, I still am a finance bro if you consider doing the financials for my company. Uh um, but yeah, I mean, we, I started in finance, uh, I graduated in 2019, moved to New York and just worked on wall street for a year. And it was something that I genuinely thought was going to be my career. And, you know, I was super excited working a ton, yeah. um, you know, networking with a lot of people in the industry. And after six months in, I really felt like something wasn't there for me and I wanted to kind of explore other creative opportunities right. and kind of mix this business acumen and business side of, of the business with something a little more um, kind of like out of the box in terms of just thinking and creativity wise. Um, so, you know, that's when I started to kind of explore different options of what I potentially wanted to do as a different career, I guess. Yeah, sure. So did, did you always, so fashion wasn't no, always no, in no. mind necessarily then. Um, so How did I, left, that come about? I left Wall Street. I was actually going to go into branding. Uh, I thought I had this kind of knack for okay. just building a brand. And I thought that was something that I would genuinely enjoy doing. But I had no clue I was going to actually start my own company, let alone build an actual brand of my own. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you definitely have a knack for building a brand right from the start. I first saw you in GQ. So that's where I heard about Lael Frey and I clicked a link and the website just totally, I'm, I'm totally like a visuals person. And I think everyone in this day and age is, and it just captivated me from, from the little logo to, you know, the, that color green and it totally got me. So what was it like 
stepping away from that, finding you wanted to do this, what was it like building that brand? Um, how did you how did it, you start? It really was difficult. Um, from I I didn't know a single sure. thing in fashion. I the only thing I kind of knew was the general aesthetic of what I wanted my brand to be like. I wanted it to be in this classic menswear industry. Okay. Um, but I wanted to change it. I wanted to do something different and change kind of the culture and the community that I was a part of. Um, because at the at the time I was 23, right? Or 24, now I'm 26. And right. so that shows you that it wasn't just, all right, I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna launch a clothing brand in a year. It took me two years to actually figure out, all right, what the hell am I doing in terms of sourcing factories, how to find yeah. factories, um, like what materials to use, right? There's so many different materials, there's different right. colors, there's different ways of operating from just a logistics standpoint, um, web development. There's all these Absolutely. things that go into it, right? Like the software that you use, I had no idea. So it was constantly, every day was, all right, Let's go on Google, let's go on YouTube, and let's figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So so you started off in India, right? You yeah. started off with a, a factory in India. So how did that go? Not too good. <laughs> That's how it went. Yeah, you can see. So this is wow, the Oxford that. that we make in Portugal now. You can see. And then this is. Beautiful shirt. Beautiful these are the shirt. Shirts in, right? The collar. Not supposed to. Yeah. Be yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I found a, a really small factory in India that were great people. Um, and they were super small, sustainable kind of production uh, facility. And they would do everything by hand. But it wasn't scalable. The way that they were, right. I learned that they were actually dyeing the fabric and doing all these things were, you know, very manual in terms of. You know, there's no machines being used. There's no waste. So it was literally them dunking. Wow. Like the same way wow. you tie-dye a shirt. <laughs> like dunking. That, that's what yeah. that is. <laughs> and I didn't know that because I didn't ask questions. Wow. I didn't know to ask questions. I didn't test the fabric. I didn't put it in the wash. I was so excited yeah. about doing something. It kind of just was, yeah. all right, I'm going to do this. The first sample's great. Let's let's go on. Let's get on with it. Um but it turned out that, yeah. you know, I just couldn't sell the shirts or, or I couldn't sell a lot of the shirts and, but I still launched uh, kind of a beta MVP. Yeah. Um, Cause it was just the green one that didn't, uh, wasn't dyed properly. So from there you moved Correct. over to Portugal, am I right? It was awesome. So what was that like? Um, Portugal's a great country, but the people are amazing and it was one of those experiences and I'm still doing it. Um, I still go to Portugal, but it's yeah. the first time was, wow, I'm, I'm really, I'm really like doing this business trip by myself at 20 old. Yeah. It was really surreal. Yeah, it was surreal. Um, and I was trying to act like I knew what I was doing. Uh, because like you're going into, yeah. like I set up meetings with huge factories, like very distinguished, reputable, manufacturers, some of the best in Europe, by far the best in Portugal. And like you're going into these wow. meetings, you know, trying to 
just understand and learn from them while also kind of showing that you kind of know what yeah, you're yeah. doing at the same time. Because these were the factories that right. Right. you can't just walk in and they automatically work with you. Um, it's, it's like you have to sell them on the vision. You have to sell them on you know yourself, the brand, what you've done, what you're going to do. And that's why I went because a lot of these Absolutely. partners, you know, you have to basically show them that you're invested because it's a 50-50 relationship, right? Like you're supporting them, they're supporting you. And it's more than just, right. all right, let's make a shirt or like make clothing. It's, it's like their livelihood, it's my livelihood. So that's why I really went out there myself and wanted to really, right. you know, know them as, as people and partners. Yeah, sure. So was it was it as simple as Google? How did you find these these mills in yeah, Portugal? Yeah, Google. <laughs> um, like it's you know yeah. <laughs> people always ask me, oh, how do you find factories? And it's it's not that complicated. It's more of just you have to do research, mm -hmm. and it takes some time to do. Right? It's not going to be the first couple pages in Google, right. it's more likely going to be right. like 20th, 30th, right. 50th. Um, and even then, like you're still finding, like I'm still finding factories. Um, it's a lot easier now that I have, you know, partners in Portugal that can help me out. But looking on Google for, right. for factories, like I was doing that today. Right. You said it was surreal, but what, how did you, how did you go from there? Um, so I went from like actually just taking the flight, um, to meeting them in person. And I met with, you know, seven, eight, nine factories and each one I had them make me a sample. Well, first I had to actually like pitch them and make sure that they were right, going to trust right. me enough to work with me because it's not like you just make a sample for anyone, right? Like you have to actually create patterns and source fabric and materials. So it actually takes a lot more manpower and diligence and effort from their part. So they wanna make sure that, okay, this is someone that we potentially seeing ourselves work with. And that was like the first step. That was my goal is to make sure that they knew that I was serious enough where they could potentially work with me. Um, and then two was making a sample and all of them is just like the same shirt. It was the blue one with a white collar and all of them came out differently. And there was one clear winner um, in terms of just the quality of stitching, the, the fit, the way that it kind of draped and, and fit on your uh, shoulders and everything was the one that we work with now, which are also the oldest shirt maker in Portugal. They're like a their family run business for 76 years. And wow. that's like, it was interesting to me because everyone thinks, okay, it's made in Europe. It automatically is going to be good quality, but they yeah. were so different. And it was like kind of shocking to me to see certain 
manufacturers with the same product make it completely differently with the same fabric and same style um so yeah, that is then, fascinating so we used the one and it was like not even a question to use them it was the highest quality you know um right and yeah it's, it's worked out phenomenally so far yeah yeah, definitely. So, so what was the time span like with that? So, you know, you had this idea and then from, from the factory in India to the factory in Portugal, getting your first sample that you were like, I love this. What, how, what was that time span looking like? So it was 2020, it was 2020 or 2021. It basically took a year for each. So it took okay, me a year wow. in India. And then once I figured out Hey, I'm doing this completely wrong. <laughs> I, <laughs> I immediately ended that relationship. I said, we okay, nicely. Like we can't do business. We're, we're basically yeah. done. And that's when I started to look at different countries. And then I immediately started to manu like start in Portugal and email okay. and then maybe five, six months in, probably four months in, of me emailing them, not getting any samples, just emailing. Yeah. Um, I took the trip to Portugal. Then it took maybe four or five months of development, of sampling, and just wow. making sure that all the designs were ready and the fabric, because we actually use custom fabric, so we had to make um, our own color and wow in the mail. Wow. So that took like two or three months to just develop the color and the swatch. Absolutely. And then we have to actually make the fabric and that's another two months. And then they manufacture it with the shirting factory. Um, and so basically it took a year. Wow, that's amazing. So what is the process like? Did you go there with stuff in mind or did they tell you like, these are some colors we could do. This is what you're gonna do. No, I, I knew I came came there with all of my designs in mind, but right. it's the nuances and the little tips and tricks that they advised me on, where they've obviously been doing this for 75, 76 years. They know what they're doing. So they would say, oh, this is how we suggest you have it. Do you like this or do you like this? It was still my decision, but we're working together to create something as opposed to you know, I know it all and I'm going to tell them exactly what I want. Right. I don't know it all. I still don't right. know. Like I lean on these experts to help advise me. Um, and then I make my decision based off of what they advise. Um, sometimes it's different than what they advise. And that's just my gut. And that's just the way that I want to manufacture. And I think what's best for the brand. Um, but then there's a lot of times that they say, okay, do you want like an American placket or do you want a European placket, right? The different, like the middle um, of the shirt. And I really right. wanted the European placket, you know, because it doesn't really exist in America and it's too yeah. bulky and you kind of look with it. So that's something that I didn't really know beforehand, but when I saw it and I put it on, it like looked so different and I just love that aesthetic. So now it's been kind of teaching me certain things that I can implement in, in my designs. Absolutely. So it was there a sense of after that all happened of comfortability? Were you like, okay, the, now we could get the ball rolling or were you still, 
I, I'm hearing you tell these stories. I would be like a nervous wreck 24 seven. Um, I think in terms of the manufacturing part, like I may, I, I trusted them and this entire industry is built on trust, right? Like I Absolutely. trust that our partners are going to create great products for us and, you know, execute. Um, and then they trust me to sell it. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and scale and grow the business. Yeah. So, um, like, that's why I went there to develop that trust and to see it for myself and build that rapport. But I had no doubt that the shirt was going to be excellent. It, and I was extremely comfortable in that process. It was more of, all right, we have to sell this. That's where all of like the uneasiness and excitement and like peaks and valleys come. Absolutely. So you took us into that perfectly. So now you have the product, it's all ready. How do you build this following? How do you get your name out there? What was that like? Um, I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in the beginning, I actually, I use LinkedIn as a huge organic okay. source of marketing. And I started to post a little bit of my journey, not as extensive as I do now, either on TikTok or LinkedIn. Right. Um, but it was my thoughts and kind of my story. So actually the same story that I put on TikTok that I went viral with was the same one a year ago or a year and a half ago that I put in on LinkedIn as a post, wow. just like summarized with different pictures, obviously. Yeah. And that went somewhat viral, not like a million, but enough where, you know, we got like 5,000 followers on LinkedIn, which that's a lot that's of followers, or that's a decent amount on LinkedIn. Um, Absolutely. And so people, we started getting email signups because at that point it was just the landing page. So okay. I collected a lot of emails and I got a lot of um, signups to basically retarget and show them, okay, this is when we're launching, you know, we're going to keep right. up with all these things. So when we launched, I'm not saying we got, you know, tons and tons of sales, but it was actually majority of our sales we launched online were from people that I didn't know rather than wow. my friends or people that I did know. Yeah. Um, which is good and bad if you think about it, but, uh, you know, yeah. It's a yeah, yeah. That, that's really interesting. You wouldn't think of LinkedIn for something like this, but no, then, a, then of course, from, yeah, I come from a corporate world, right? Like exactly. that's all I yeah. know. and LinkedIn is huge. Everyone's on LinkedIn and I still post on LinkedIn, you know, right, and right. it's just another marketing tactic and, um, it's free. You know, so yeah, yeah, I would suggest it if you're not doing it. Yeah. So that was actually what I was going to say. I was going to say, did, did your, you know, whether it be your education in school about the business side of things or your work on Wall Street, did this prepare you in any way or was this just a total different ball game? Totally different ball game. Like school doesn't teach you about entrepreneurship and neither right. does Wall Street. You know, right. it, it like it's, it's like so unstructured. It's so like on your feet. You got to figure stuff out. Whereas school yeah. is all right. Do your assignments. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to right. learn. Kind of the same thing in Wall Street. This is what you do, uh, and do it really well. But I learned a lot in 
the corporate world from from banking and I think it was probably the best place that I could have started out and I think a lot of people should start in their careers because you're in this structured environment it's extremely rigorous it's challenging it's demanding you push the limit of what you think you can do from just like a physical standpoint and the mental standpoint of working long hours and you know dealing with stress and frustrations and um, pressure and so that kind of carried with me and it's still carrying with me through like all right i gotta figure this out there's all this pressure there's all this demand right. but i'm the one creating it i'm putting that so i'm putting that on me as opposed to someone else putting it on me and i think that's extremely valuable um and i'm super glad i i did it yeah so would you so would you so you're really appreciative of the the business past of it you don't look at it like it was a miserable time in your life oh no not at all like it That's might have, it might have sucked yeah for, you know for a while but it's like i think the most important thing you can do just in general is reflect on certain things and understand how you wish you have done something differently and learn from it or take those experiences and apply it to what you're doing and kind of accelerate that right. because it's only going to help you grow and progress. Absolutely. You know? So would you, so would you say you're, you're happy with where you ended up? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I, you know, That's like, great. yeah, but it, it's, it's hard to look back and say, you know, if this happened, then this would have, you know, like if I didn't go to banking, right. I wouldn't have done, like, I can't say that, Yeah. Uh, but I'm just happy that I did it. That's great. That's great. So you, you stuck with your investment banker roots and you did a collab. When did that with Trust Fund Terry, when did that collab come about? That collab came in July last year. Okay. That's when we had the initial conversations about it. He actually, he reached out to me and he wanted me to advertise on his Instagram. Okay. Just as like paid posts. And sure. I basically flipped it and said, why don't we make a little more money together and you get like your own like luxury shirt. Yeah. You know, this is like completely new to this like finance meme space. Yeah. That's sure. awesome. Um, well, I was just about to say, do you want to really quick explain to anyone who might not know what Trust Fund Terry is? Oh yeah. It's, um, it's a huge finance meme account. They're very popular. I think they have like 420 something. I think, yeah, like 424, right? Yeah, 1,000 followers. And um, they're just super popular and they create funny memes and posts about just the finance community. Um, you know, and you know they, they use culture and relevant culture to associate yeah. themselves and, and just be funny. Um, so we partnered with them and made a, a custom collab shirt, limited edition, and we started the conversation in July and we launched it in October. Oh, that was pretty End quick. October. So okay. like six months, basically, we turned it around. Wow. Um, and we used custom fabric for that as well. Um, That's all. So yeah, it was, it was great. We had a pop-up for it in Soho. Um, and, and yeah, like we have a, a lot more cool stuff like that coming. That's awesome. I, I love them. So how long, how long after being solo did you 
do this collab? About how long were you up and running? I was up. We launched in March. Well, we launched February 25th. Right. Last year. Okay. So basically, I don't know, February, like March till July. Okay. Uh, well, March till October, that was, I don't know, eight months or so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so pretty, it took pretty eight months to get a first collab. Yeah. That's awesome. And within that eight months, you, you did a lot. I, I said numerous times, I found you in GQ, but you've been featured in numerous, numerous other men's wear articles. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not easy, but you know, we try to just do it organically. I mean, actually, right. I mean, all of them have been organic. We haven't paid for any PR. That's amazing. Something I think I'm proud of, and I think I'm going to continue to implement that strategy. Um, for the time being at least, but yeah, a lot of brands pay for articles and especially in GQ and Rob report Absolutely. material, but you know, it's in gear patrol. And so we're just, you know, trying to throw our elbows in the industry and, yeah. and do it our way. Yeah. So are you, I was, I was going to say, are you con is it constantly just a game of playing phone tag with people and reaching out nonstop? How long are you working? What what does your workday look like? It, it depends every day. I mean, I'm I'm always working. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually up at five thirty to six. Okay. Sometimes earlier, depending on the day. Okay. But first thing I do when I wake up is I check my emails. That's like the first thing I do. See, because we, you know, make everything in Portugal, and it's a five-hour time difference. Sometimes. Right. So. You know, if I wake up at 9 a.m., you know, it's already their afternoon. So yeah. I have to make sure that I spend time with them and I'm up so that if they have any questions, if there's some issues going wrong, like I'm there to to handle it. Right. Um, so first thing I do is check emails and I check, you know, if I get customer support messages, if I get sales. Um, and just like other things, right? Like if I create content that day, emails, whatever. Um, and then it can go through packing orders. It goes to, you know, designing new products, contacting factories, um, planning photo shoots, um, all these things. Like that's what I did today. Plus more stuff, um, yeah. you know, speaking with you, like having interviews, it's just like, yeah. you know, I'm going to an event later tonight, like a menswear event. So it's like all these different things that I have to plan for. And, um, it just changes every day, every, every day. It's going to be completely different. Right. So with your photo shoots, are they in Manhattan or do you go to Portugal? Or is that something that's also in Portugal? It's a mix. Okay. So our first shoot was in Portugal. Our trust fund Terry shoot was in Manhattan because I think it had to be and it kind of, yeah, absolutely. Uh, aesthetic. And our next photo shoot is going to be in Portugal. So I'm planning that right now. Um, and I'm really excited for it because it's That's awesome. pretty soon. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So is, is your brand your personal aesthetic? How did you build this? Because when you go on your website, you have, you know, you have everything from martinis to martini glasses to, to loafers to your Oxford shirts. How did you do all this? I don't know. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's clearly my aesthetic. 
Um, but I think it could be, I think it's very aspirational from a sense of, all right, let's, let's like give this lifestyle like of menswear right. um, kind of this new identity that's a lot more playful and culturally yeah. relevant. And I think that this is what the industry has been lacking for a long time and we wanted to do something about it. And I think just us being like a young, a younger brand, right? Like yeah. we understand the culture, I think, um, yeah. from like this generation and the next perspective. So we want to implement certain things that I think are cool, that I think other guys would love and appreciate and also want to be a part of. Absolutely. Yeah, this isn't like your classic Brooks Bros type of type of vibe over here. No. And I love it. So who is, when you think, who is your target audience? Um, I think we have a unique kind of angle where, generally speaking, I think it's just like a guy that yeah. just understands and enjoys the finer things in life without being yeah. too stuffy. Right, like being like cool, casual, yeah. like very nonchalant about things and just enjoy life, but also yeah. enjoy a martini, right? Enjoy, yeah. you know, going to a super nice, elegant place, but they can also, you know, slam a couple beers at a pub, <laughs> right? It's not yeah. just like, you know, there's this target of super specific guy that's like a, you know, 20 something year old. It's more yeah. of, you know, you could be 50, 70 80 years old and still appreciate and enjoy the lifestyle and the aesthetic that we're building because we're building a community not you know just for some specific person um yeah. and i think we can reach a lot of people through different collaborations and different projects that we're working on that you know extend beyond this realm of just clothes. absolutely absolutely i think I think it's fascinating when you go on your website, you know, when you put your your email in, it says join Lake Club. And is that the community you're talking about? I really like that. That caught my eye. Yeah, it's it's a club. Like, we're, we want to be, you know, this club community culture that is just all in this together in terms of like doing the same thing, being part of the same vibe and aesthetic. Um, and it's something like different about being in a club rather than just buying a product or being a part of this brand. Like we want to have you as someone that you're like an actual member, right? You'll get exclusive opportunities, discounts. Right. Like you'll get products that no one else will ever get because you are in the club. And right. to be in the club is not just signing up. Right, like to us, being part of the club is actually owning and wearing and showing off your products. So there's a difference and I think, you know, yes, you are still part of Lake Club in terms of like the grand, like the bigger scale of the, of the company, but like members who actually purchase products actually understand and feel and see what being in Lake Club really is. Right. And it's not until you actually get to that stage and commit where you understand and realize it. And so I think it's going to be cool to see, you know, that dynamic of, oh, shit, like this is what I'm actually a part of now that I actually own this product as opposed to right. emails 
and following us on Instagram. Right, right. And I think you're, I think definitely just from talking to you right now, I don't think the company will ever lose that feel of community as you grow and get bigger. No. And no. I think I can tell that that's something important to you. Yeah, it is. It is. It's all about the brand. It's all about, you know, obviously making insane quality products. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to have something that people are proud to be a part of um, that is fundamentally different than right. I think what's out there. Right. And I wanted to talk about the price of your shirt. So right now it's about $98 and you've slashed that from what was it originally? We were at 148. Wow. That's, that's a big cut. How did you do that? Um, it's the relationships we have with our suppliers. Like that's why I went to Portugal. That's why I met them in person. It wasn't overnight. It was okay. Let's show what we can actually do and let's work together to try to get this down so that a like the factory and our partners are happy and we actually can create insane quality products at a price that is really lower than probably any like a lot of the brands that you see like even i think so like big men's brands i absolutely you know i was just Last weekend, I was at the mall, and I go into Nordstrom, and I'm buying a Nordstrom brand. No, you know, it's not any particular brand. I'm buying Nordstrom brand white shirt, and it's 125. And for your 98, you're getting a quality, and it's and it's individuality you're getting in your shirt. Right. It's not just group, you know. It's not just any old white shirt, or any old Oxford cut shirt. And and I don't think you have to. Be obsessed with fashion. Like I, I would say for myself, and that's something I'm very interested in. I don't think you have to be so interested in fashion to get your your items and appreciate the quality of them. And yeah. that I really like. Yeah, yeah. And and we don't want to be that, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say like stuck up, but it's just we don't want to be that brand that charges you an insane amount for right. something that like – you just shouldn't pay for it, you know? Yeah, like someone absolutely. should be paying $175 for a button-down shirt. Right. You know, like it, and it's and something that we've constantly iterated and worked towards. Um, so I'm really happy that we got it down to a price that we can actually say we're 100% made in Europe from the buttons, the thread, the labels, Amazing. the fabric, the shirt making, and have that like price point uh it's really really difficult i'm sure and it's amazing that you can say that for yourself while still maintaining this price that is pretty affordable yeah for anyone and it doesn't just obtain to one group so do you have is there someone i always love to ask my guests about a a role model or someone they look up to do you have a role model whether it be in your personal life or in the fashion industry that you look up to in your process of of work um i think there's not one particular role model um or necessarily a specific brand i think it's a combination of a lot of different people like i like to pick parts of people okay even like if i meet someone i'm like oh i really like what they said right like i'm gonna yeah 
I'm like that kind of inspires me uh, to to use that maybe in the future, like do it my right. way. So it's like a lot of small European brands. I actually look to for a lot of inspiration. Um, you know, like there's a lot of cool brands in the U.S. Like I mean, Ralph is always going to be one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's you know Amelian Door, Kith throwing blazers. Like those are kind of my trifecta of like in the Absolutely. US and then in Europe is what I mostly look to for inspiration and kind of um, different aesthetics because we are I want to say inherently a European brand from like a design Absolutely. and um, aesthetic standpoint but we obviously like play into this New York kind of fun cool lifestyle um, but there's a lot of menswear brands in Europe that are super small, that are really, really cool, that I look to a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I understand that. I think a lot of times, especially if you know the history of fashion, American designers are often, you know, laughed upon and not taken seriously. So I think drawing from both sides can definitely be an advantage. And, and I was going to say Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren and, and any company like that i wouldn't necessarily put you in i hate the word preppy so i don't think i would throw you in that category i wouldn't want to because i hate that word but i think you're i think you're something for everybody i really do yeah we could we could dab we dabble in a lot of different yeah things. and i think it's yeah. cool to see like just the different vibes we can create over time yeah yeah i think I, like I said, if you're listening at home and you're like, Paul, I don't know what the hell you're about to say. I know a lot about fashion. So to me, when I look at you, I mean, not only your looks, you have that down pat. I think you remind me a lot of a young Yves Saint Laurent. And I know that that might sound a little far-fetched, but I think it really, when you look at your, not only product, but your your company as a whole, and you appreciate the the creativeness to it and the genius behind that, and you're playing, you know, you're wearing so many different hats from, you, I'm assuming you're CEO, CFO, creative director, you're, and you're, you're HR, but you're also managing your social media, you know, you're wearing so many hats. And I really think, I think it's, I think it's great. And I want it to have you on here before you uh, got too big for us. <laughs> Hopefully that's quicker. But uh, no, I'll always, uh, I'll always chat with you. Pop. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. So Brandon and I are going to be playing a quick game of Prada or Nada. I have my cue card here. If you guys are watching and you're an OG on here, you know that's an older episode name. So Prada being yes, Brandon approves of the brand and he likes it. Nada being no. And it's not just brands on here. So are you ready? Okay. Sure. All right. So we're starting off strong. Gucci loafers. I mean... Depending on the type of loafers and the type of style, I'd say Prada. You'd say Prada? Yeah. I like, right, some, I like the bits, and I like the just natural, normal ones. Okay. Yeah, they have, they have some ones that are a little out there. Yeah. So sticking in the shoe category, clogs. How do you feel about clogs? Probably. Think like Boston Birkenstocks. Oh, nada. Nada? nada? Okay. Low-rise jeans. Probably, I don't know. I'm not like a. I operate in a very specific world, um, <laughs> and you know my aesthetic, so I do. I'm not going to be an expert on all of these. 
Um, He's saying Prada by default. I'll say Prada by default. Okay, a dirty martini. I'd say Prada, but I like mine dry, so. Ah, gotcha. Manhattan. You gotta say Prada. I'd say, yeah, Prada. Prada. And then people were saying some designers, Burberry. Prada. I like, yeah. Prada. Chanel. I'm gonna give Chanel Prada, personally. Yeah. Prada. I, I go halfway. And now finally we have Le Alfre. That's a given Prada. Oh, that's a given. I that's know. a given Prada. So, Brandon, thank you for playing that little game with us, guys. I hope you enjoyed. We want to thank you so much for coming on and taking your time to talk with us. Guys, if you don't know Brandon, don't know his story, I hope you learned a little more, and definitely check it out. Check out his website. Any stories about him, there's a couple articles to read from. I'm running to go buy my Leal Frey shirt, so you should be too. Check out his website. Brandon, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Paula. appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So, guys, thank you so much for watching this week's episode. Stay tuned next week for a big episode, our 20th episode. All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another great episode of Paulo's Podcast. <laughs>